welcome back for another episode here at Crest Talk. We're your hosts, Jamie Kim, Chloe Lee, and Jamie Freitag. At Crest, we believe everyone deserves support. The Crest app provides personalized support that helps you stress less and accomplish more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode. We are so glad you are here. Again, if you're new, we just wanted to reassure you that we are not recording in our studio and that all of your hosts are in their separate homes, and this is being done over an audio call. So today's your lucky day. We are back with another episode that is a part of our Crest chat segment where we just sit around. It's super casual and we just talk about our thoughts. And today's amazing topic is stress culture and the pressure of productivity. Every day I find myself measuring how productive my day was based on the amount of work or studying that I do. And it's almost as if like if I didn't study enough or work enough, that equates to an unproductive day. And that even leads to feelings of guilt. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Do you guys ever feel guilt, such a strong emotion, when you feel like you haven't been productive enough? Definitely. And I think the guilt associated with productivity is, for me, the worst uh, subtype of guilt because it kind of has all to do with you and your day and your productivity. And it's pretty much no one else's fault. And it's the worst when you have to kind of come to your senses and realize that. And I also feel like when you equate your day, like, oh, I had a good day today because I was productive, but I had a bad day because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. I also feel like when you're guilty about that, it really takes away from what you were able to do and really just focuses on all of the things that you weren't able to do. It's so discouraging. Just because you didn't hit everything on your list doesn't mean that you're not capable or something's wrong with you. Yeah, especially if you're super goal-oriented and you want to get somewhere. I feel like a lot of us, we put a billion things on our list and expect us to hit every single one of them before our day ends. And when we see that our checklist is empty or we're not motivated enough to do it, we're like disappointed in ourselves. Like, But the thing is, we're not machines and we're not like superhumans, but that's the expectation that we put on ourselves every day. And that's what social media and other platforms kind of encourage. Definitely. And I think that's a unique problem that our generation has. Um, And, you know, it's this quote unquote stress culture. So the definition of stress culture is the product of a misguided belief that stress is a testimony to hard work and effort, not the result of a difficult or intense situation. This misunderstanding views stress not as something negative, but as something positive. It infers that without stress, a person is not working hard enough. So that kind of brings us to our main topic of today is fetishizing stress. For me, that includes, you know, scrolling down your Instagram feed, seeing like bullet journaling, like, oh, study with me posts that are beautiful works of art that um, must have taken them hours and hours to do. And, you know, people in the comments like being like, wow, that's so amazing. That's so beautiful. You know that the hidden message in there is like, wow, you're being so productive. Like you're probably having a great day. Yeah. So what do you guys kind of think about that? I've also noticed the huge wave, especially during this climate of quarantine and everything. Um, I've seen a huge wave of accounts and posts, people posting their notebook and laptop with a pretty iced coffee outside. I just don't know why it's such a big deal. And it also makes me more stressed out. I'm like, okay, so they're studying, 
they have beautiful notes that look like works of art and what am I doing? It's crazy because it always comes down to the question of why do people view stress as something that's so positive to the point where like if you're not stressed then it's quote unquote bad. Like people think that stress is a requirement to be a good student, a successful person. Right. I don't understand that, but at the same time, I would be lying if I haven't been also feeding into this stress culture. Yeah, Jamie, that reminds me of a term that I read from somewhere. Um, this was a term coined by journalist Erin Griffith, and she calls this whole phenomenon on social media and other platforms a hustle culture. Like you said, we all know that one hustler, like a social media influencer who has like six different part-time jobs. She is constantly on her laptop, checks her email the first thing in the morning, shows up to work with like a full face of makeup looking perfect all the time. You know what? It's great to see these influencers, but for some reason, like I feel some type of anxiety as if I'm kind of degrading myself when I see other people doing more. And I always ask myself, am I doing enough? And that makes me wonder if, are they being actually productive or are they overworking themselves and kind of putting that nice Instagram filter over it with like cute GIFs and cute colors, calling it productivity when they're actually really struggling inside and needing that breath of air, needing that break. Definitely. And in terms of practicality, the stuff that I personally see on, especially, um, the story feature on Instagram, it's kind of like a subtle flex, I feel like, for a lot of people, that they post like their beautiful notes and whatever they're working on and that they're so busy, you know, X, Y, Z. Kind of, in my opinion, at least, the techniques that they're using would not be practical in like a long-term sense because you do have beautiful notes. They're aesthetically pleasing, whatever. But when you're in class and like trying to like get stuff down, like trying to cram like whatever your professor's saying, that just to me does not make any sense, but that's what's being idealized here. So we see these pictures of their work lives, you know, they're balancing their social lives, whatever they're doing. And it kind of puts it on you like, you know, oh my gosh, like Miss Smith has everything all together. Like, what am I doing? You know, fetishizing productivity as well as stress really comes from the fact that a lot of stress does arise from situations that require hard work. I guess now people think if you're not stressed, you must not be working hard enough. But then that also brings me to, you guys ever heard that term? It's like, work smarter, not harder. And yeah. I know a lot of my friends too that they're not, and everyone's different as well, but I still don't think that you should measure how hard you're working with stress. Sometimes I would say to myself, you're not stressed enough, so you're not doing enough. And that's really bad. That also then takes into account the guilt and feeling ashamed of even taking breaks because I'll be like, why am I taking a break? I'm not stressed. I don't really need it. And I don't think I deserve breaks and whatnot. This culture also does stem from the fact that stress is so closely correlated with the type of work that you produce and how much effort is required. Yeah, it's just so crazy to me how we kind of put that upon ourselves and we're telling ourselves that we don't deserve this break after hours and hours of work um, when we so clearly do. And I think that it's really important to understand the problem um, that social, the society pushes us to think that 
productivity is everything. That when we're productive, we'll get to a place that we want to get to. Especially, we see this on social media. And when we see these idealized pictures of other people's work lives, people balancing their social lives, perfect like parenting even, um, and then we look at our own lives and we get frustrated by how imperfect ours is or how broken our relationships are and that it's not aligned with the ones that we see every day. And I think that's when more stress and toxic, I guess the to toxicness of social media comes in because we're now like forcing ourselves into this mold to become someone that we're not. But there is a fine line between, you know, laziness versus mental breaks and, you know, not pushing yourself to the edge of the complete stress breakdown that you have. Um, and I guess the line between breaks and laziness, you know, comes down to the discipline. Taking a break is obviously very appropriate and beneficial when, um, you know, studying. So one of the break techniques that I use is actually called the Pomodoro technique. I found out about it through a YouTube video. So basically, they will set a 25-minute timer for you. And then once that 25-minute period is off, they give you a five-minute break and then another 25-minute um, study period and another five-minute break. And that's what actually what I used for finals this um, semester. And it was actually really good. And even my mom like saw a difference in me this final season. Yeah, I am actually really familiar with the technique as well. I also just discovered it recently during this past semester through a YouTube video. It was a YouTuber's study with me video. And I was immediately, I'm a big advocate for, you know, spending less time, but channeling more energy and more focus within that time. Because in 25 minutes, you can get the same amount done in 45 minutes or even an hour because you're, you know, you're saying no breaks, you're saying put the phone away, no time for daydreaming. And when you're aware that you're kind of being quote unquote timed, it kind of just pushes you to, and it encourages yourself saying, you can do this, you can focus, you can just sit down and you know study these notes. And I feel like the little breaks in between are more beneficial instead of you sitting for an hour straight, being a little maybe too relaxed and you don't really have a goal set in mind. So it's kind of hard to find that drive to cancel out any other potential distractions. Right. And I just want to point out that there is a difference between taking a five minute break in between sessions of studying and laziness. You know, laziness is when we avoid doing our work and not doing the tests we need to complete, kind of procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinating. And um, yeah, I just wanted to draw that line between taking beneficial breaks for your own mental health and kind of, you know, not doing anything for the whole day. There's definitely a difference. Yeah, there's always a constant battle, especially when I come home after work and I'm like really tired. What I like to do is like when I, as I eat, I'll watch Netflix, something to kind of like relax and not think about anything. But the dilemma hits when my dinner is over and now I'm given a choice to whether go do some work or continue watching Netflix in bed. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, just one more episode, one more episode. And I end up just spending the whole night being quote unquote lazy. Um, but other nights I'm like, you know what, I'm going to open my laptop and do some work and I'm productive. So I guess, yeah, like what Jamie said, there is a very fine line between laziness and like self-care, I guess. And I think it ultimately comes down to how disciplined you are because taking a break is appropriate and even beneficial, but there needs to be some sort of control to it. So yeah, it's always going to be a constant battle between what we want and what we need to do. And I think we 
really do need commitment and self-discipline for it. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard, but definitely not impossible. It also really depends on the person and you have to know yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to draw the line within yourself. Not everyone's going to be watching you and be calling you out. So it takes a lot of self-reflection, I think. It takes a lot of mindfulness, paying attention to your habits, and even paying attention to what you're able to produce that week and saying, was this good for me? Was this bad for me? Because obviously everyone is different and everyone's quote-unquote laziness can be defined differently. Something that I also wanted to bring up was how I feel like this culture has just seeps into our daily lives, even within our normal conversation. I feel like because of that, it just stirs up a lot of jealousy. I have a lot of people in my life, and not just me, a lot of other people come to me and tell me about this from their own social circles, how people kind of like show it off a bit. I've heard a lot of, oh yeah, I stayed up until 4 a.m. last night. Or I was in the library for 10 straight hours and I haven't eaten anything because I was just studying. I don't, do you guys ever hear that from your own friends or acquaintances, peers? Literally all the time. And it's from the same two, three people in my life that I don't know. They just feel like, I guess like, for lack of a better word, like flexing on you or something. Because here I am, like, it's making me feel guilty because I'm like, well, I got a good night's sleep last night. Like, I, I feel ready for the test too. But, you know, well, I didn't stay up like you and I didn't, you know, skip meals and stuff. So it kind of creates a feeling of jealousy. And I, I definitely agree with that point that you made, Jamie. Yeah. And humans are inherently competitive and everybody wants to show off their best angles. And this is so easy to do on social media because we are given that power to kind of craft our own lives to be exactly what we want others to view us as and you know what like I also want to mention that jealousy is bad period just because people on social media might seem like they're working all the time that shouldn't affect the way that you feel and it shouldn't affect your character Um, but I have to say it does make me even me jealous it makes me feel like if I'm not as productive as them I'm almost like lazy that's it when this isn't true at all Jealousy is definitely really hard to deal with. And I I actually read this from the Science Journal. And it was like a piece of research that showed that jealousy or envy sparks up the same region of the brain as physical pain. So like, this is just like a little fun fact, but jealousy can be painful to deal with. And when we're constantly under this pressure, because most of us are on social media, it kind of accumulates. Yeah, I think we can all agree that in general, jealousy is not productive. There's also a line between jealousy and using other people's productivity to motivate you because sometimes it can get you off your chair and be like, all right, I got to get down and do this. So repurposing that energy and that mindset and saying, okay, I can do it as well. There's nothing special. There's nothing superhuman about my peers. So sometimes I feel like it could be better if you, if you can't really help but feel emotions when you see stories or hear about people kind of quote-unquote bragging about their day or whatnot instead of letting it hurt you because literally the biology of jealousy and what it does to your brain is not going to be productive for yourself, then I think we also have to be be very mindful of our mindset. I think a big part of trying to end stress culture within your life is to realize that sometimes you feed into it as well. What I started to do is instead of acting impressed when people try to be like, yeah, I stayed up all night or like I skipped lunch, Instead of being like, wow, like that's crazy, like good for you, 
I actually voice my concern because that's not good and you should be able to be productive while taking care of yourself, eating the meals that you need to and taking the breaks. So I feel like that's a big thing that I'm learning for myself too is not to feed into it, not to act all impressed and shocked and praise them in a way and just genuinely showing my concern and being like, that's not too good for you. Like, are you okay? Are you hungry? I feel like that was just a big help for myself. For me personally, I'm so guilty of just yesing those people to death and saying like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that's crazy. Like you stayed up all night studying for this test that you knew about for like three weeks. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I think it, it's weird. It's definitely weird because everyone always pushes like mindfulness and, you know, taking walks in nature or yoga or whatever and doing something to slow your brain down. But now there's a completely different theory, just like a few swipes away on Instagram, like trying to show people how productive you're being like that just doesn't make any logical sense to me because it's literally the opposite of mindfulness is like pushing yourself to the absolute, um, you know, mental capacity that you have for the day just seems really, really counterintuitive to me. Right. And let's talk about how this has definitely evolved and I feel like escalated during the pandemic while everyone's home doing remote learning, not even just in terms of work, but also, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but also in terms of fitness and weight loss, being healthy. I feel like everyone knows who Chloe Ting is or other really big fitness influencers. What do you guys feel about that? Yeah, definitely. When I first open like Instagram or YouTube, the videos that pop up are like fitness, like get shredded in two weeks, get abs in two weeks during quarantine. And um, there's like painting classes and cooking classes. So many different things that we are told to learn to maximize productivity. And so many influencers that like walk us through their schedule packed day. And like what Jamie said before, we are encouraged to take breaks. We're encouraged to take self-care days but when we open our social media it doesn't seem to do that so I get very confused but then there's also like memes with self-deprecating TikToks about like sleeping until 3 p.m or like waking during the quarantine and you know people are like oh like hashtag relatable when people are just like putting themselves down because they're not doing enough calling themselves lazy it's funny you say that because I actually see that in real life um I work at a women's health office and as a medical assistant and like one of the main things that I do is obviously like weigh the patient the past few weeks if not months people are like throw their head back and like disgust when I when I say that you know oh I just have to grab your weight real quick and it's it's so sad to see that because it's normal looking women and they're just so disgusted of the fact that they even have to see their weight so you know, you kind of have to think like, what's fueling that? Like, I bet all of them have Facebook. I bet all of them are seeing, you know, colleagues and friends like losing weight or doing whatever during the quarantine, like following Chloe Tang or whatever. For the people that don't do it, it feels horrible, horrible. And I can tell you that firsthand, you know? Right. And definitely nothing against going on a fitness journey or doing whatever, because I right. think that's great. It's just, I feel like there's this pressure because I talk about it with my friends too. And now they're actually pictures that are being made and it just has words like it's okay to gain weight during quarantine it's okay to gain weight or you don't need to lose weight you don't need to lose weight so it's yeah. kind of like you could see like people are kind of fighting back and being like what is this so you can definitely see that 
there are people who are realizing this type of culture also creeping up and consuming a lot of people because I'm sure that not every single person who has embarked on a dieting journey or uh, working out every single day, that it's not always going to be from a healthy place. And it could very well be, I have all this time, so what's my excuse? And your excuse could be, you know, you're mentally not ready or you're doing it for the wrong reason. And that could actually hurt you at the end of the day. Yeah, that's so true because after the quarantine started, I like mentioned in a different podcast, but I started to work out a little bit and it was great. I felt really good afterwards. It was very stress relieving for me. And what I'll do is I'll mark on my calendar the days that I work out. And something that I realized recently, um, I didn't work out the past almost two weeks. And yesterday I was telling my friend, I was like, dang, I didn't work out in almost two weeks. Like it feels so like, I feel so bad. I feel like I didn't finish my two week shred and I felt unaccomplished for some reason. I was like, I got to go back into it. Instead of feeling good, now I felt bad about not exercising. So I was like, there's a very, very fine line between um, feeling good and trying to encourage yourself and like feeling bad and making yourself feel guilty. And it's such, it's so tricky. It's so tricky, but it, it does help to like talk about it. Yeah, it's kind of like you jumped into it and then that that was a big thing for yourself and in general, but then you felt bad about it again. Like it's just crazy how Yeah. Sometimes it's so it's it's confusing to navigate and it gets very contradictory. So I feel like something, especially for weight loss, it's something that I struggled a lot with in high school. I did every single diet you could think of or whatnot. Losing weight is something like something about physical fitness and health is so mental as well. It's just they go hand in hand and you cannot separate the two. It's so homogenous. I find that I did the best in my journey when I was giving myself breaks and not putting myself down for missing days or whatnot. I feel like people, well, at least for me, I had to change the mindset of why I was working out. Instead of hating my body, I decided I'm doing this because I love my body and it deserves better. It's really difficult and different for different people, but that's just my two cents on that. Also, it's like when the quarantine's over and hopefully everything is back to normal and we see our classmates, our coworkers, and they kind of ask us like, oh, what did you do during the pandemic? Like, what did you do during the quarantine? It feels almost embarrassing to be like, nothing. I did absolutely nothing. Do you, do you guys ever think about that? How when we go back and people ask us what we did, like we feel the need to tell them like, oh, I learned how to paint. I learned how to speak French. I did this, this, and this. But when we don't have anything, it's kind of like, oh, what were you doing then? Were you just being lazy? Right. Well, for me, I know that I will not be asking anyone that question because <laughs> it's the re- the reciprocal of that is like, oh, well, what'd you do? And I, I have to remain silent because... <laughs> I didn't have anything, but, you know, kind of this whole um, self-improvement or self-care thing during quarantine, you know, self-care doesn't result in you feeling guilty for not using your time wisely. So, you know, sometimes self-care can seem like self-destruction because we internalize our self-worth in a way that makes us rate ourselves based on what we produce. So um, I think that's definitely something that you should keep in the back of your mind when, you know, you are making decisions um, for self-care, self-improvement. Improvement and um, internalizing that throughout, you know, the rest of summer. Whenever you're listening to this, but um, it's really hard to adjust to this new lifestyle. It's difficult to handle the news of the world, but this commercialized kind of like self-help isn't doing us any good. And I think it's just such a strange time in our history that 
first of all, it was unprecedented, even to our generation, let alone our parents' generation. And something, you know, when thinking about this podcast and how we're going to frame it, it's that our parents' generation is so far removed from this, like, I will, I don't want to say now, but I'm saying when they were our age, so far removed from this, like, productivity um, mindset, kind of, that the only person you had to prove your productivity to was your boss. You know, you didn't have the social media aspect. You didn't, from my knowledge, people weren't like, oh, I stayed up all night for this test and, like, trying to, trying to like, you know, flex on you. But so I think it's, like, a really novel idea to our generation. Um, you could disagree with that because, obviously, I wasn't alive back then. But, um, you know, where is the ceiling for us, to be honest? Yeah, like, overworking already makes it so hard for us to create and produce because, um, like Jamie mentioned about self-improvement and self-care, it kind of makes us devalue our achievements that we already made. And there's almost like an internalized guilt that makes us feel bad about relaxing. And I think we really do need to learn how to let go of this idea that productive activities are not only the good ones. And there are other things out there that we have to explore. And sometimes we need to do things that doesn't contribute to anything but our mental health. Even if it doesn't you know, necessarily take a step towards our specific goal, it does help our mental health. And that makes me question, like, why do we not take our mental health as seriously as anything else in life? Um, This is not about being lazy or selfish, and there's no need to feel bad about it because our mental health is what we need in order to move forward and be successful. And something that I am so mad at myself for is, like, this is a point brought in the beginning, but I didn't really delve into it deeply, saying that the type of day I had was dependent on the work that I produced, not even how I was feeling in the day. It's not fair to myself to say, oh, Jamie, you had such a bad day because you only got through two chapters and you were supposed to get through five. Why is that bad? You know, like I should have, you could turn it and be like, it's a good day because you nailed those two chapters. And yes, it took a lot of time, but at least now you really, really understand it. And because you truly understand it and you didn't rush through it, you kind of harnessed all that knowledge and it'll be easier for you later on. You'll be able to retain it better and apply it better. And it could have also just been a good day from other things. Like, did you eat with a friend? Did you study with a friend? Just because even that can be really nice company and that could make a really nice day for you. Again, it focuses on literally just what you produce like on pen and paper on your laptop and takes away from the things that I feel like matter more in the bigger picture, which is your relationships with friends and family, your mood and your health. So that's something, I don't know if you guys also do that, but some that's something that I do daily, especially during the semester. And it's funny because I don't know if it's our school or just me in particular, um, our library kind of has like an open floor plan. I'm kind of acutely aware of people that, you know, are there before me and leave after me and it's kind of like it's so toxic just in that situation because I know I'm going home and I'm not going to study and get a good night's sleep and everything but I still there's that lurking feeling that everyone else is still at the library still working hard and here I am like I feel ready for the test and what I'm going to enjoy a good night's sleep like that to me it feels insane to think because me personally I feel ready you know whatever and then I still have that like, I guess like nagging sensation that there's still people out there working harder than you. And that is very, very toxic when you put it into words like that. Right. But Jane, even if there are like, I mean, there obviously are, but why does that matter? You know, why does that matter to us? 
like that's that's when we gets me crazy because we could be retaining the same amount of information in the same way and have it down packed in just different amounts of time so it's crazy because i also feel like i envy people who have like photographic memory i'm like oh they didn't have to spend any time at all but then here i am saying wait i gotta spend more time because that's the person you know what i'm saying it's kind of like it's like reciprocals of each other because yeah you envy people who don't have to study as much and they get it down but then you also are jealous of people who worked like more hours than you during the day yeah definitely like what jamie mentioned whenever i'm in the library and i see pe- more people studying and i'm ready to go home i almost like want to sit back down and continue like open my book again because i feel uneasy and i feel as if my level of productivity is so much less than their level of productivity and it becomes like this competition again like oh like should i be studying more and yeah i think that kind of brings us back to that idea of like kind of like looking around to see if everybody's on the same page as us and if they're not then we feel the need to kind of like level ourselves to be on the same page as them and maybe to kind of pivot a little bit i'm going to wonder how this productivity culture in college will affect all of us in the workplace because um, you know something something that I was thinking about when I was researching for this podcast was like so many people our ancestors fought for you know labor rights and workers rights and why are we being why are we so proud of being so busy seven days a week now what I'm also wondering about now that you brought up that in more of the scheme in terms of working and being an adult I'm wondering how this can also affect all of our moms out there who gave up their jobs to have children and take care of them. For me right now, because I'm young, that seems really hard for me to do because what I want to pursue is genuinely my passion and it's a dream of mine to be a PA and help people. And I know that there's also like a show on Netflix. I don't really, I didn't really watch it too much, but it's called Working Moms. And it shows that one of the moms, she like struggles with not being able to be at work because of her kid. And in a way, her kid's kind of holding her back. And also people in the workplace now start treating her differently because she took maternity maternity leave. So I think that's also extremely toxic. And because not every single mom out there who's a stay-at-home mom decided for it to be like that. There was a huge sacrifice made in that moment. So I'm also just wondering, this is just me rambling, but I feel like it could be really tough for them too if something like this applies to them. No, definitely. And I like that you brought that up because at least in my family, and I know this is the case for, for a lot of families around me, we I still have grandparents that are alive. So my family was extremely fortunate in that when we were kids and like super young and couldn't take care of ourselves, that my mom was able to dump us off at our grandparents' house and they would watch us. But for families that, you know, grandparents aren't in the picture, aren't alive or, you know, live far away or whatever, the cost of childcare in New York is astronomical. Like then you take that off of your salary, you know, in the, at the end of the day, it's just, it's so much that you have to sacrifice to take your kids, to be a stay at home mom, to take your kids at home. And, um, you know, because I think for a lot of women, they have not crazy plans, but just like extremely good motivations in life. And, you know, they, dream their whole life about becoming a PA, becoming a nurse, becoming a doctor, becoming a veterinarian or teacher or whatever. And to put that on hold because of, you know, societal roles of the mother is that probably just like knocks this whole productivity talk like for a spin, you know? Right. 
Yeah, and for the moms who had to sacrifice their careers and their jobs for their kids, and when they see their peers, um, other people, their friends on social media and other places, doing all these things, climbing their way up to the top, I wonder if they feel like they made the wrong choice or they're getting left back almost because they're not being as productive as they imagined. Yeah, I just, I just wonder. And of course, I'll never know until I get there. Although they, it feels like they put their life on pause, um, they're still growing in a different way. And they're still being productive in a different way that's not what society kind of structured for us. And, you know, kind of pivoting a little bit, I think that, you know, some of the productivity incentives in the workplace are kind of getting out of control. Like my mom, uh, I guess a couple years ago was applying for new jobs and especially in the emergency care setting um, she was finding out that practitioners get paid more for when they discharge patients like you know something like their time to discharge per patient gets reflected in their salary as as a kind of like a bonus I get it because obviously complete overwhelm of practitioners inside of you know emergency rooms inside of the you know New York metropolitan area but also at the same time, like, yikes, you know? So it's it's a field in which they're pushing you um, to the, you know, extreme of your productivity, maybe sometimes at the expense of quality healthcare, which I, I don't know. What do you think? Now these days, it's all about numbers. And um, my organic chemistry professor, I was really close with her and her mother was a phys- is a physician. And she was telling me, my professor was telling me how it was times are changing and it was less about spending time on each patient and more about how many patients did you get through today? Like what's the number? And it's really difficult because everyone is different. And let's say you have to run some tests or something. Everyone's body shape is different or their biology is different. It takes time to either move them, get the information you need, or maybe find something. And so I know her mother was really stressed out because she couldn't she was like, you, you got to give me more time. This is ridiculous. I'm having a little more difficulty with this patient. It's harder to reach certain parts than others. And they were just treating it like boxes in a list that just had to be checked off one by one as if everyone is built the same way. And as if everyone did not have their own unique conditions that have to be considered when doing certain procedures. So that's why it was ridiculous. You know, that point about doctors, um, wanting to kind of like check off their list sometimes because, you know, it might be affected through their salary and whatnot, kind of reminds me of um, the book When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. I know we did a podcast on this before. Um, Go check it out. (laughs) But basically, Paul was sharing that one of the doctors kind of made it feel like he, as a patient, was kind of like something to be checked off a checklist and that he just wanted him out of the hospital as soon as possible and that was so heartbreaking and you know like I didn't know this was actually a thing the part about the salary and it's very shocking to me that this is the system and that they have to use incentives like this and you know to kind of summarize I think in today's society we're all about pushing and pushing to stay productive and busy 100% of the time Um, I think it can lead to serious burnout issues and, you know, mental health problems that we will definitely discuss further in the future. But overall, I think we all need to take a step back and realize what we're doing, what we're putting out in the world and, you know, really internalize that and see how that's affecting us. 
So thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll catch you guys next time on Crest Talk.